Well, should we get started? Yeah. Ready? Ready? All right. Here we go. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Do you need a Linux server for your latest creation? Then check them out. They provide SSDs, 40 gigabit per second network connections, and top-of-the-line hardware to run your server on. It deploys Linux in seconds from the Linode cloud, and you can choose your Linux distro and node location right from the manager. They have locations in Asia, North America, and Europe, and they have a sweet set of tools to make it easy to manage it. If the web interface isn't your thing, they also have an API and a command line. So definitely go check them out. They also provide two-factor authentication, IPv6, DNS manager, cloning, scaling, and everything else that you want. So definitely get the most out of your Linux node and check them out at linode.com. And check them out at devchat.tv slash linode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Dave Kimura. Hey, everybody. We also have Eric Berry. Hey! <laughs> I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have another speaker from the upcoming Ruby Dev Summit, and that is Jamie Wright. Jamie, do you want to say hi? Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you, and thanks for having me on. Now, do you want to give us just a brief introduction, who you are, what you do, what you're famous for? Sure. I always tell people I'm a professional nerd. Uh, I'm a software developer, independent contractor from the sprawling metropolis of Toledo, Ohio. Um, and I've been, I've been working with code for, geez, 20 years now, um, mostly concentrating on, on Ruby, uh, starting to get into Elixir, and of course, JavaScript. Um, and then my main concentration... Uh, my main uh, obsession lately has been chatbots. Cool. Well, that's a good thing because that's what we brought you on to talk about. Awesome. I love talking about it. So that works out well. So uh, do you want to give us a little bit of background as far as what you've done with chatbots? Yeah. Well, actually, it started when I when I started programming back in high school. My One of my first projects was not a chatbot, but it was... Um, a, like a text adventure, kind of choose your own adventure, little mini game that I made in like basic, I think. And that was a lot of fun. And that kind of got me always thinking about conversations and a little bit about, about like uh, conversational UIs. And then uh, around the campfire days, 37 signals campfire days, uh, when that was released, uh, and then Hubot. So GitHub released Hubot which was a, a wrapper, basically a wrapper around their uh, Campfire's API uh -huh. that, that made it easy to, to communicate with, with Campfire. And I made, I made a few little silly things. Um, and then I, I started making like a time tracking um, bot that would, would track your time and uh, using FreshBooks and Harvest because uh, I was a contractor and most of my clients were on, we were using Campfire at the time. Um, <clears throat> so I did a, I did a lot with, with time tracking sort of, uh, things, uh, there. And then of course, Slack came out. Um, I was actually working on my own chat platform, which was built on top of uh, campfire. So it wasn't like creating my own chat platform, but it was, 
I kind of have the same vision where all these things would converge into one platform and you'd pull certain things, you know, like build tools and time tracking tools and Mm -hmm. all these tools uh, into one platform. I started working on that and then I found, I found Slack and I was like, oh, these, these people aren't going to go anywhere. I got this. (laughs) And and about uh, two weeks later I said, okay, these, these people know what's going on. So, um, I moved kind of over to Slack uh, and created Tatsu. Cool. So what does Tattoo do then? Uh, tatsu. So Tatsu means uh, oh. stand up in Japanese. Um, and it's basically a way to do uh, virtual stand ups with a team uh, inside Slack. So instead of everybody meeting at a certain time, getting interrupted, uh, have to be in the same physical location. Uh, I created Tatsu, which allows you to uh, to do all that stuff inside Slack. Gotcha. And what are some of the features that kind of separates it out from like doing a Zoom call or Google Hangouts in a setup? You know, I know the concept of everyone having to be there at the same time, but uh, does it have anything that goes outside of uh, what a normal setup would have? Um, not yet. So you can schedule it. Uh, whenever you want, and it'll automatically start, uh, and you can customize questions and things like that. Um, what I plan on doing, some some things that, that will be coming out, is I actually want to get rid of, of much of the stand-up as possible. So a lot of like what I did yesterday can be automated. So I want to, I'm working on being able to integrate with, you know, whatever you want to integrate with, GitHub, Basecamp, you know, Harvest, whatever your calendar, whatever you can automate and, and let the bot know what you've been working on. And then the bot will create kind of your uh, stand up for the previous day, which you'll have time to review. And then you can just automatically send that out. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is uh, standups. Standups are useful because of the interaction that happens within them. So if you're in a Zoom call or a Google Hangout and somebody says something that sparks something, uh, something you worked on or a blocker that you have or something like that, uh, you should be able to, to create a conversation between you and that person that, that, that blocking has happened. And so that's also a plan on, on Tatsu so that you can, uh, create private conversations. Um, and then those will get recorded and kind of bubbled up into the standup as well. be kind of cool if it had an automatic stand-up. So, you know, I just, uh, when it's my turn, you know, I checked out the promo video. It looked really cool. When it's my turn, it just automatically pulls my GitHub latest commits and then said, this is what I did yesterday. Of course, exactly. that, <laughs> that means I actually have to put in uh, realistic commit messages and not like, whoops. <laughs> yeah, it's, yes. <laughs> Can't do anything about that. <laughs> So I love uh, how when you sign up, okay. I love how when you sign up, it immediately um, adds a video link directly into your Slack. That's very, very clever. Very well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I don't know of another bot that does that. Um, so the when you're in Slack, when you when you install a bot, kind of the the default mode that that people should be, the default action that people should take is. DMing with the person that installed it, uh, which we refer to as like the champion. Um, that's kind of good behavior 
in the bot world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen some bots that will DM everybody on the team or, or um, you know, kind of spam everybody. And, and that's not good because a lot of, a lot of people just want to install a bot, play around with it, see if it works for them and maybe uninstall it. And, and perhaps without even the, uh, the whole team knowing about it. So kind of being a good neighbor, a good citizen in the uh, Slack world is just to DM with the uh, user that installed your bot. I love it. Absolutely love it. Thanks. So I've I've taken a stab at writing bots as well. I have a I have an app that I actually recently shut down that what it did was it would appear on a website after a certain amount of time and ask questions and generate um, basically say, hey, what are you after? And then and you'd reply through button clicking. And then, oh, you're interested in that. Oh, okay. Well, how about this? Are you interested in this? Oh, no. How about this and that? So um, there were some challenges that we ran into, especially UI-based. Can you go into what it takes to write a bot and, and some of the big challenges that make it to where not everybody can do it? <laughs> Yes. Um, (laughs) I can talk about this for hours. Um, so the, there's two cool things I love about writing bots. One is, uh, they're fun as hell. Like you, you feel like you're creating something like, so we're not talking to a bot right now, right? Maybe. Say platypus. Say platypus. (laughs) Penguin. Oh, Uh, (laughs) Um, I knew it. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) well, if, if I was a bot, I would be a really, really, really well done bot. Um, that's, that's the other problem is chatbots honestly suck now, right now. Like, so that's the other exciting part is like us as developers, we have like a really good opportunity to help improve an entire piece of the industry. Um, we have a lot more tools and platforms and uh, integrations that we can can work with bots that we we couldn't you know five years ago ten years ago, but they they're still in their infancy. So a lot of bots are command based driven bots. That's what Tatsu is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say certain things and uh, it responds. It looks for certain words and, and certain keywords. Um, but conversational UIs, what kind of the, the user interface that, that chat is built upon is, is still really, really tough. Um, and there's several reasons for that. Uh, and you, and everybody witnesses this, like when they talk to Siri and you can say, Hey, what's the weather like today? And you can't say, well, what is it tomorrow? Cause, cause Siri loses its context when you're talking about weather. And so they, they can be really frustrating to, to the end users. And I, I and there's a big opportunity for us to, to improve those. So the reason there's they're hard is because conversational UIs, they don't have any context. They don't have any shared understanding of the world. Like when you visit a web page, you're using a native app on your iPhone. Like the shared understanding is there. You know, if you're a contractor and you, you create business rules, you're, you're talking to the users and you're creating that, that web app that is going to, is going to, uh, have the shared understanding of the world with conversations. You can go a person, a user can go anywhere, any, in any which direction. And you have to account for that. 
if you want to make a good user experience. So that's like the hardest part is, is generating that shared context of the world. So validations are harder. Um, discoverability of what your bot can do is harder. Uh, all these things that we take for granted on the web where we can have these little UI clues, uh, we just have a text box in the chatbot world. So are there are there libraries out there that you can use to – is there kind of a, a, a common uh, initiative to, to build this contextual engine? Well, every large company is working on this. Google, <laughs> Apple, um, Microsoft, Amazon. Everybody is working on this, and everybody's making really, really good progress on it. Um, but there are like a ton of platforms now, like, um, natural language processing platforms where you don't have to build the actual natural language processing engine. You can just use a service. There's machine learning, um, services. Um, so there's, there's a lot of these services that you can use. They're still kind of in their infancy. So there's, there's a lot of room for improvement on those. So let's say that I decide I want to build a bot. You know, I have this idea that, uh, you know, I'm going to, have everyone install a Ruby Rogues bot on their Slack channel because then they can get all of the awesome stuff that we talk about every week. Um, where do I start? I think the, the first place to start is where do you think those users are going to, going to be? Um, because one of the, the biggest usefulness of chatbots is they can be anywhere. Like if you look at um, Lyft or Uber and they have a mantra of just be where the users are. So their service uh, is on SMS, it's on Slack, it's on HipChat, it's on mm -hmm. Facebook Messenger, it's on their, they have apps. So you have to kind of determine what platform you want to be on and what service or subset of your services you want to provide would be the first thing. So if you're, if you're trying to build kind of a, a, a bot that's going to live uh, where people will use it when they work, probably Slack's the best answer. Mm -hmm. If you want to do a, a more consumer-based bot where you not you don't need teams, you know, Facebook might be better. If you're dealing with people that don't have either of those tools installed, you know, an SMS bot might be be the best platform to to use. So you you got to have to start there and then um there are if you're going to build this in Ruby, there's a couple Ruby gems that will help you along the way. There's nothing really a cohesive platform like there is in the Node world. Node has, uh, the most popular bot framework is, is BotKit in the Node world. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really a, a really well fleshed out, well architected platform that you can connect to any of those platforms I mentioned, plus Microsoft. And and so it's, it's really a a nice fleshed out platform. So I always recommend people actually start there in the node world um, with BotKit. They have a lot of great examples. They have a lot of great getting started um, ideas and just play around in that world. And if you want to continue in that world, continue in that world. If you want to build it in, in, in um, Ruby, uh, you know, there's a couple gems to help you out. But once you get kind of the basics of how you connect to Slack, uh, how you talk, to your users, how you listen to your users from, from your bot. Uh, once you get those ideas down, then, uh, then kind of, uh, go from there. 
Yeah, I remember my first experience with a interactive bot. It was this little paperclip that sat on my desktop <laughs> and my Windows applications. <laughs> that's that's actually in my talk that I give. <laughs> Sorry, Clippy, um, Clippy. That's awesome. Yeah, Clippy. Well, there was Microsoft Bob. There was Microsoft Bob before that. So, oh gosh, when that its own OS, like this really horrible. Experience. It was it was a horrible <laughs> interface that sat on top of another horrible interface, but um, it had ro it had the, the the little dog Rover that you might remember <laughs> yeah. from oh, such man. operating systems as Windows XP. Oh dear, yeah. Wow. So whenever I um, start writing a bot, it's usually to solve a existing problem that I have. So, for example, at work we use version one for our uh, sprint planning and stuff. So. One of the issues that we had is that we also use Slack for communications. And one of the annoying things was someone would always reference to a, a tag number or a bug or something within Slack. And I would actually have to open up version one, figure out what that issue, who's assigned to that issue and what the issue actually is. So mm -hmm. I wrote a Slack bot that you would just connect to your version one API key and then it would parse all the text that's getting typed into a channel, it would look for any of the ones that would match a ticket number or request. It would go out to version one, get the title, get a link to it, and then post it right back into Slack. So, you know, it was a huge time saver for us. Um, yeah, that's so awesome. That's a, that's a great way to start with bots as well. Not, not going out and creating, you know, a, a teaching platform, you know, assistant bot, but yeah, start with something like that, that will help you get the mechanics of, of just how, how bots work and how that specific platform works. That would be really helpful. That, that bot yeah. that you just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it was a problem that I had and I knew what the end result needed to be. So just filling in the gaps of writing the bot and getting things connected, you know, uh, just was a trivial part. I didn't have to come up with new ideas or anything like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The, so, I think the biggest, I think the biggest mm -hmm. jump from there, once you have your idea and what you want to do, the biggest jump is, okay, where, where does stuff go? How do I subscribe to messages or, or events that happen? And where do I put responses and things like that? So that's why I suggest like jumping into those more fully fleshed out, libraries um like botkit and they have really great um documentation as well as the, the slack api documentation is wonderful this episode is sponsored by airbreak i don't know about you but week in and week out i spend hours debugging my code when i could be working on building new stuff then i started using airbreak.io our latest sponsor and the time i spent debugging was cut in half Airbrake alerts you to errors in your software, then helps you diagnose and fix them. That means no more wasted time searching log files and more time writing and shipping great code. Airbrake supports .NET and all major programming languages. Sign up at getairbrake.com rogues for a free 30-day trial and the chance to win a $500 Amazon gift card at the end of the month. It's a completely free trial and you'll be shocked at how much time it saves you. Again, that's getairbrake.com rogues. So tell me uh, a little bit more about your company. How, how long have you guys been around? Tatsu has been around for two years. Really, uh, Tatsu was released before there were bots on Slack. So December of 2015, 
Um, mm-hmm. Slack released uh, their their Slack app directory as well as kind of the bot platform, um, which I was fortunate enough to go out there and and be a part of. That was awesome. But before that, it was just basically a combination of incoming and outgoing webhooks. So uh, yeah, they they switched up things quite a bit there for the after the first six months of Tatsu's existence. Hmm. Uh, we've been uh, we've been we actually use. Uh, the Slack chat bot at my day job. And uh, what we do is we have um, our, our company is uh, Scipio and we do um, mass, well, not mass text. We do text, text-based SMS communication. And every now and then people say, do not contact. So we get these warnings like, oh, this guy's getting tons of do not contact. So I actually use a Slack bot to be able to find out, okay, well, show me their information. And then I can actually turn off their account or, or, or modify their account at, like right within Slack, using their uh, using their 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 bot tools, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's wonderful. All right. Well, so the thing that I've done that looks the most like um, any kind of Slack bot is just using Zapier. So I've just used Zapier, and then it pulls off of RSS feeds and things like that. But I haven't actually done the other way where it's interactive. Yep. Yep. So you're using more of the command-based um, chat, chatting, as I like to say, uh-huh. um, which is perfectly fine and and the best place to start, I think. Yep. I've also seen people do stuff with um, AWS lambdas. Ah, yes, yes. The serverless <laughs> stuff. I have looked into that as well. I I love that concept. I mean, basically, you can because. If you think of what chatbots are, they're no really different than than web apps, right? You you get some text in, you get some strings in, you process some stuff, and mm-hmm. you send some strings out. It's, it's really the basics of, of chat. It's just the fact that you're dealing with uh, a conversational UI. So serverless fits in perfectly with with that as well. Have you done any serverless stuff? I have not. I have not. Not really anything I can like say was production. Um, I'm, I'm just intrigued with it. It's fun. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah. And chatbots aren't, you know, necessarily just limited to Slack or Microsoft teams or campfire Mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, I've, uh, played around with SMS, uh, Slack or SMS bots where, um, you know, I just signed up for a Twilio account and I could tell it to, uh, just send a text like what's the current price of Bitcoin or Litecoin or something like that, and they'll go out and get a few different sources and respond back. Um, you know, I can get weather in different locations and just a lot of little cool things. So, um, yeah. And chatbots don't even need to live on those platforms either. You could put it right on your website if you'd want, if, if mm-hmm. you'd like, um, uh, which is something I'm considering as well because when Slack goes down, which love the Slack team, they do awesome work. Uh, which happens more often than than not. But the problem is when Slack goes down, people think it's Tetsu that's down. And uh, so I've been considering, you know, working with um, creating a web-based, so uh, stand-up bot that people uh, people aren't stuck if they're if if Slack is down. Mm. Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, it's always scary to see sites like. Uh, no one in particular, but the only way to actually authenticate against a site is like via a uh, Twitter uh, OAuth. Yeah. You know, that's real scary because like 
if Twitter goes down, that's like your single point of failure. So yep. I guess it's the same yep. thing, you know, in this scenario. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, that, so yeah, when you, when you create your bot and and you're thinking about other platforms, it's a good idea to architect in such a way that that, that connection that is abstracted away. So it doesn't really matter where the input is coming from or where the output is going. You just have to know that certain platforms have certain capabilities that other platforms don't. So if you're doing SMS uh, versus Slack, you're not going to have, you know, drop down lists like you can do in Slack. So Slack's kind of taken this approach of kind of a hybrid HTML slash conversational UI uh, approach um, for certain elements where you can't do that on, you know, chat, uh, SMS or it might be different on Microsoft Teams versus versus Slack. Let me ask you a question. Uh, and I, I think about this every now and then when I'm sitting here looking at my 20 different uh, 20 different uh, Slack groups that I'm a part of. <laughs> do you kind of wish that Slack would be more like IRC? Um, no. I think, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I know it's not that popular, but I mean, I'm it, looking it, at it from a group management. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at it from a, from an end user perspective and no, because I think IRC is too developer-y. Um, but I do wish they, and I, I know there are, they are going to work on this, but I w wish they would revisit threading replies, um, and a way to separate, you know, when you get multiple conversations going in the same room in Slack, it's just chaos. So part it's part, um, it's part based on the users and how they conduct themselves, how they conduct business over Slack and, and then Slack can help out with revisiting replies and threading. Um, but I do like how they, I do like the groups and the channels and the rooms. Uh, I do like how they, how they implemented all that. Well, I, I actually was using IRC cloud for quite a while before everything started shifting over. And that seemed to solve quite a quite a few of the problems, but yeah, it is it is night and day uh, mm -hmm. as far as quality difference. What blows my mind is that there's only a handful of developers that that built Slack. Yeah. It's just crazy to think that that was the case. Well, going back to my uh, original, you know, when I was creating my own chat platform, I was like, oh, there's only I think there was ten people, maybe maybe less than that, seven, eight, something like that, I believe, that built the original. Um, I built the original platform. Really? It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So how many developers are working on uh, Tatsu? Uh, there was two. Now there's one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A really cool guy, right? Uh, he, he can be cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, okay. Cool. Yeah. Not, he's not a bot either. So he's not a bot. We've well, we yeah. we have yet to verify that. <laughs> oh, I, I do want to get into some other stuff that you've done, but I don't want to derail. I, I kind of want to dig in real quick on um, like what gems do you use in Ruby? Because you mentioned, mm. um, you know, getting started, you might want to go use uh, BotKit. But let's say that I kind of get my hands around this and I'm like, you know what? I just want to do this in Ruby. How do you do that? Um, the only gem I use um, for for that is Slack Slack Ruby client. Uh, I'm sorry, there's there's two gems. Slack Ruby client, which is basically just a wrapper around Slack's API. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's uh, dblock is the user, the GitHub user. And then dblock has also created, it's Daniel, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's the CTO at Artsy. Mm-hmm. Um, he also created Slack RubyBot, which basically abstracts the eventing stuff out and, and allows you to kind of create bots uh, a little more easily. So that's a nice one. I don't use that because I, I started building it before that was available. Uh, and then I also created a, um, a gem called Dialog, which allows you to, to um, implement conversations uh, in a nice pattern in Ruby. Uh, so if you're thinking about, you know, a conversation that may start, let's say you're scheduling, let's say you're ordering coffee. So your conversation is going to have different endpoints depending on what path your user takes. So they may say, hey, I want a, I want a, I want a coffee. So that may start your uh, create order conversation path. And mm-hmm. then they might get to a path where they want to add to the order so that so then you can kind of diverge that conversation into a separate um, conversation. And, and all the conversations are are basically looks for keywords and then gives you a block where you can respond to those conversations easily. So those two gems are the ones that I use the most in Tetsu. There's other, other gems that you have to use, um, like event machine, uh, because since Ruby is not evented, you kind of need some eventing around, uh, when, when, uh, events happen on Slack. So if somebody joins a room, somebody sends a message, uh, somebody leaves a room, things like that. Gotcha. So uh, the other question I guess I have, because I haven't built Slack bots before. Um, so are you typically, do you set up like an HTTP endpoint and then uh, Slack knows to send the messages to you or do you have to do some kind of polling to know that? Yeah, there's there's two ways that you can connect, can, that you can connect to Slack. One is they call it the real-time client API, which basically is a WebSocket connection. Mm -hmm. So you call uh, an API um, call and that call will give you back uh, a WebSocket endpoint where Slack is the server and your bot is the client. And now you're connected via that WebSocket. Okay. Um, And then the other one that they most recently introduced was the events API, which basically you give it a webhook URL and Slack will send you a webhook events uh, when stuff happens. That's a lot easier to maintain uh, and uh, program against, uh, but it can be slower, and you don't get a few subset of the events that happen. So I always recommend people start with the events API mm-hmm. uh, because handling hundreds and thousands of... so. A long time ago, Hugh really put a lot of effort and did something amazing uh, called the GitHub Fantasy League. Can you talk about that? I'd love to uh, not only talk about it, but I, I'd like to know the motivation behind it. And he went into such extensive documentation and, and basically did a video walking people through every single part. I want to know how long that took, why you did it, and what you got out of it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, the idea that came from, I believe it was a peep code, uh, episode, uh, with Aaron Patterson Mm -hmm. that I think it was Aaron Patterson, but they came up with kind of these rules. So 
you put in a, a GitHub username and it would return um, a certain score for certain events that happen. So if somebody did a commit, somebody did a, a pull request, you know, a pull request would be more points than a comment, right? And so it came up with these scores. So I took those scores and I implemented it in uh, in Ruby. And it was for a talk uh, that I did at CodeMash a few years back. And the reason I did the videos was I didn't want to live code in that talk. So I, I would, I would, I would, uh, chicken. I would, yes, I know. I, it was, I was a chicken back then. I have since given that talk a couple other times and I, I have did resort to the live coding. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I did. And I think it was a talk on coming from .NET to Ruby, I think. I think that was the talk. So I implemented both in .NET and in Ruby, uh, which was a long, a long time. So I put a lot of, a lot of effort into that. Um, but it was fun. It, you know, you put your, your GitHub username in and you'd get some score. And then the idea was you could battle other people and see what their scores were and, and create kind of a fantasy league. It never got to that point, but that was the idea. Is this still uh, living in any uh, capacity right now? I don't know if it's living still. There was, uh, I did have a URL called GitHub Fantasy League. And if it's still there, it's still there. But uh, it may That's have expired. Did, what kind of feedback did you get from this? Uh, people loved it. People found it useful. Um, you know, people going from .NET to Ruby, they could kind of compare and contrast how you do uh, do things in the um, ASP.NET MVC framework versus Rails and and see how similar they were. So people love that. Cool. What's your, what's your preference? Uh, yeah, that's Ruby. Um, <laughs> yeah. I came from the, I came from the .NET world. Um, started doing Ruby like in 2007, 2008, um, as a result of going to CodeMash. And I went to a Ruby, uh, Ruby Cohen's talk, I believe it was by Jim Wyrick. And, uh, that's when I fell in love with Ruby. So I've been doing, I've left the .NET behind, although I still love C Sharp. I think it's I think it's an awesome language. I love the dynamic and stack parts of it. Um, I just you know I, I prefer I prefer the tooling and the community and the environment uh, around Ruby. You know I um I <clears throat> never written C Sharp before, and I think this is about three years ago. Microsoft put out a thing that if you write an app, a mobile app to go on the, on the, on the, uh, the windows phone, you'll, we'll send you a free phone. I'm like, I'm in. So I wrote this <laughs> crappy little, I've never written C. I know Java. So I found out it's very, very similar. I, I wrote this crappy little app. I sent it. And then they sent me this, this demo phone that never actually came to market. <laughs> and they hard coded, they like hard coded into the ROM, my phone number. <laughs> I still have that thing. It's pretty awesome. It's a phone that actually was produced. Of course, of course. Well, now it's a paperweight. So now it's a paperweight, absolutely, because I don't have the same phone number. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anything else we want to hit before we get to picks? Uh, I would just uh, encourage people to go out and try building chatbots. I think they're fun. Uh, they're a blast to build, um, and we need more developers in this space to help improve it. So awesome. That's if my, you, uh, if you want to learn more, come to Ruby dev summit and watch him show us all the things. Yes. 
Uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter or GitHub or, you know, see what you're working on these days, I don't know if you have a blog, uh, what do they do? Uh, I'm Jay Wright on both. So J-W-R-I-G-H-T on Twitter and on GitHub. Um, that's probably the best way to reach me on Twitter. Um, yeah, I don't have a blog, although every single week I say I should have a blog. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, that's the best way to reach me. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you sign up today using the show's link, that's hired.com slash rubyrogues, you can get double the normal hiring bonus. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at hired.com slash rubyrogues. Eric, do you have some picks for us? Yes, I have one one pick, one pick only. Um, so I've been a big fan of a certain error tracking tool for a long time, and I, I, I decided to expand my horizon and try a new one, and I love it. It's a roll bar. So I was surprised when I when I started seeing exceptions. One of the tabs that they have when you get exceptions is community ideas, or like it actually opens it up to say, oh. I've run into this exception, but also these other people have too. And they're actually telling me, well, it might be this. And it's really, really cool to be able to log in and see this extremely developer-centric tool to help you figure out what's wrong with your app. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I'm converting everything over to Rollbar. Great company. Cool. Love, it. Love Rollbar. Dave, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, so I guess in spirit of... Slack and Microsoft Teams and stuff. I'll pick Mattermost, which is a open source private cloud Slack alternative. Uh, played around with it quite a bit, and it really gives you the same look and feel as both those other products, but you can host it on your own environment. So um, it's really cool. Check it out. I think uh, GitLab recently acquired them, or in the past year or so. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, I think I heard that too. Um, and I, I talked to Fabio Akita a while back and he, he mentioned that as well. I'm going to jump in here with a pick and that is, um, I've been playing with a new CRM. Um, now that's a customer relation manager. I always see CRM and CMS and I always get mixed up. Um, so this is my way of keeping track of, uh, people like guests and hosts and, uh, as well as uh, sponsors and sponsorship deals. 
And I was using high-rise for a long time, but it just didn't quite do what I wanted. Um, and I've, so anyway, I've been playing with Zoho, um, the Z-O-H-O. They've got a free CRM. Um, now, they have paid um, features that you can get. I haven't turned any of those on yet, but uh, so far it's working out really nicely for me. And so I'm, I'm really enjoying that. So if you are in a position where you need to keep track of the people that you're meeting for whatever reason, uh, go check out Zoho. Um, and that's at Zoho.com. Jamie, what are your picks? Uh, yeah, I have one. Um, since we're talking about bots, I'll, uh, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite bots is called Digit. And it's at Digit.co. And basically, it hooks into your bank account. And it'll send you over SMS. It'll send you once your balance is every day. And then it auto auto takes out some, some little tiny bit of money out of your checking account um, every other day. Or, or you can set it up however you want. And then it'll put it into its own savings account. And so you can, you can withdraw from that right within the bot. Uh, you can check your balance, things like that. So uh, I really love uh, Digit. Nice. All right. Well, I guess the the one other question that I have, we asked people how, or we asked you how to find you, but um, you said that you do contracting on some of this stuff. So if somebody wants to pay you to do some of this work, um, yes. should they just reach out on Twitter or email you or what? Yeah. my The name of my uh, consulting company is called Brilliant Fantastic. It's all awesome one word. Name. Awesome, <laughs> awesome name. Um, it's Brilliant it's, Fantastic. It's cool, when I, it's cool when I pay with my business card and my name says Brilliant Fantastic on the bottom. That's the only reason I did that. But um, you can, I was uh, expecting reach. when I when when I went there, I was expecting like unicorns with like like <laughs> rainbows coming out of their butt and stuff. Oh uh, yeah, that's that's getting redesigned. So um, well, there, but, there's uh, you right there, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, you can reach out to me there. All right. Well, thank you for yeah. coming. Oh, sorry. Whenever I hear your company name, Brilliant Fantastic, I always think of Doctor Who. You know, I don't, yes. I don't know why it just, it just makes sense. Yes. Well, it was hard to find a domain name. So it's really just two words put together. So that's <laughs> the, that's the only thought that went into that. Don't be like dog, the bounty hunter. I, I was re- I was looking at this earlier. I'm like, man, you got some great tips here. Uh, I'm going to add that, that as a pick. This website, brilliantfantastic.com. Oh my gosh. Great information. Well, thanks, Aaron. Awesome. Well, that all I have is this gift that I'm going to share, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks for coming. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Jamie. Talk to you later. Yeah. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C A C H E F L Y dot com to learn more. 